Welcome to Horror Bites on SafeFriend, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I am head of the kiddie table, Neil Bolt, and I am joined as usual by the one, Jake Rieger. Hey! In this week's episode, we take a trip to the local diner to see what's on the menu, probably us, and then we play a game of Horror Telephone, an indie anthology. First, though, a little update from last week's episode. Uh, when discussing Dan McGrath's excellent incident for Blake, please get playing, uh, we pondered just how genuine the radio calls were because they sounded like real radio calls. Yeah, this was uh, quite astounding in that regard. And Dan has since confirmed on Twitter that they are indeed actual radio calls from a show uh, in the 90s and early 2000s hosted by the late Art Bell called Area 51 Open Lines. Um, you can actually still find those shows and others he's done in that time, compiled on places such as Spotify and the Internet Archive. But uh, what's more fascinating for me personally is that I kind of discovered that I actually heard art shows back in the day when I used to like spend my you know, unwaking hours uh, on the Internet uh, till the early morning. Um, you know, when I was in chat rooms and stuff and doing things like that, I, I remember listening to like the Internet radio and finding a lot of stuff like the conspiracy stuff because you know, X-Files was still kind of big in my life even then. And yeah, it was mad to think, and now I know why they recognise that voice a bit. Um, and also, Bell had a fictional radio show in the 2006 version of Prey uh, that was describing the events of the game. So yeah, that was a, a nice little tidbit to find out as well. So yeah, a nice little rabbit hole went down this week with that one. Yeah, you know, you told me about that after we'd finished recording and you know, there is an extra sort of weight to the finale of that experience, right? And having that audio, and I think we'd even, I'd even remarked like, man, is this like, who's this voice actor? Because this is terrific. Mm. This is really convincing stuff. And you can sense the urgency and the fear in that person's voice. And to learn that there's a real world context to that, um, it kind of just makes that even more of a haunting experience. And if anything, it kind of made me feel like a little strange in going back and replaying it with mm. that context. Um, and yeah, that's one of those things where it's rare that we see people that develop games be able to actually take, you know, these little sort of, whether it's audio clips or actually like sourcing real world events in a way that is convincing yeah. other than, you know, like a setting or something like that. Um, and so to see somebody like Dan that would take this audio clip and then make it such an integral part of the experience and it fits so well into this small slice of an experience was just really, really impressive. You know, yet another thing that was impressive about that uh, overall, the, uh, you know, can't miss Ichio experience that we've chatted about. Exactly. I mean, it's lovely to find layers in any horror by pick like that. And you know, now I've got like some of arts collected radio shows on my you know, playlist rotation as well. So yeah, plenty was gained from playing Incident at Grave Lake last week. Um, but, you know, so to this week's games anyway. Uh, so first up, let's go get a bite to eat. And Jay, you're going to tell us where we're going to do that. Sure. So the diner from developer D. Zenith is an experimental and atmospheric horror short in which college student Holly suddenly receives a call from her old high school friend, Sierra, who wants to meet at a remote diner to catch up. But when the player arrives, of course, supernatural occurrences begin to unfold. So the main thing that sets the diner apart from a number of these experiences that we've played where, you know, first person, you're exploring this sort of run-of-the-mill environment, but then, you know, there's inevitably a creature tied up in the mystery that's going to come and get you. 
Yeah. I was really, really impressed with the quality of this from both a graphical standpoint and a technical standpoint. Um, mm. So in the notes for this game on Itch.io, uh, the developer notes that, you know, it started as a small prototype utilizing an engine called Godot 4.0 for, you know, rendering and performance techniques. But then it really did flourish into this full on, you know, horror bite, if you will. And I think that two things are really noticeable from the opening moments. Um, one, it's the presentation. It has the kind of cinematic camera angles that we've talked about previously, you know, with the last game. Uh, and it's the type of thing where it adds a certain sense of sort of like dread to it, right? This idea that like you're getting this familiar situation, but we're approaching it in a way that feels a little more cinematic, a little more involving. Um, and I think that also what was really impressive was just like the volumetric uh, fog for the environment when you're kind of just like walking around the outside of the diner, you've got this flashlight. As soon as you turn the flashlight on, it actually like feels like you're using a flashlight in a foggy environment and whatnot. doesn't reveal everything, but it does reveal just kind of enough. Um, so there's a great sense of atmosphere to this. And I think the other thing that really set this apart from some of these other similar first person experiences is that when you interact with certain objects in the environment, they have a unique reactionary dialogue to go along with them. Yeah. A lot of the time what we end up finding is that, okay, I walk up to a door, I interact with the door and it just says like, it's locked, it's broken. You interact with an item and it obviously says something along those lines typically. But with this, and it you know it seems like a small thing, but a lot of these little details, when they add up, it makes for an experience that has a bit more personality for the characters, I think. So like, mm. if you go up to a dumpster and you interact with it, there's some kind of comment about like, this is no time to go dumpster diving or something like that, right? <laughs> it's the, just these little bits of dialogue that have a direct connection to whatever the person's interacting with, yes. instead of something that just seems like it's generic script that gets blanket blanketed across every inv uh, object in the environment. So I think from that standpoint, there's a little bit more personality in this in that it's like, okay, you're playing as this college student, Holly. We don't know much about them other than they're meeting up with this long lost friend, but you get to get just a little bit of a sense of who they are. Um, not to say that like, oh, now I know everything about this character, but it's just the little things over time that yeah. I come to really sort of pick up on and appreciate when you play a number of these experiences. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you thought of it. Yeah. I, I listened to you there saying, you know, about how impressive it looks um, with that engine and what it can do. I think that volumetric lighting and fog is just a great example of that. Um, you know, fog done in these sort of low res games is, you know, quite affectionately normally, you know, pastiching what we've seen in those sort of games from PS1 sort era. This feels a bit more advanced, if you will. Yeah, um, I think it's chosen more for atmosphere than for just you know, getting nostalgic kicks, if you will. So it's not to discredit anyone who's done that, more a case of it's nice to see someone take it as a, like not doing a homage to something necessary, just trying to do their own thing and moving with the technology, you know, which uh, everything that this um, short is doing is that. Now, yeah, it is very short, really, if you kind of know what you're doing. You could finish this in, what, four or five minutes, maybe, um, which is understandable, even if you are sort of looking around a bit. And that's fine, because as you were saying there, 
the interactable objects that are there and given a flavor to this world in a short space of time that you, know, you can get a lot out of very little place, you know? I think of the big survival horror games of the day, back in the day, how if you took like the first half an hour, you know, and you think of all the little things you read, you know, from comments and things like that, from interacting with stuff, so much of it sticks in your mind, you know, because, you know, it's all news to you and you're just getting all this all bits of information. They're not necessarily essential to the story, but they kind of build something in the world that you're in. And they kind of help you acclimatize to what's going on yeah, and how we, what, who this character is, how they feel about things. And that's great. And I think more than most homages to you know, classic sort of horror games, would do yeah this has actually managed to homage it subtly in a way that with that you know it, the it's evoking it in a way that i, I was surprised by you know, and while you know the structure of it as a game is fairly you know, routine you know I, I can't say it's doing anything like crazy in terms of like pace and plot setting and that it's still you know enjoyable as the rise go we constantly go on about this you know it's fine you know, to go through the, the tropes and the cliches if you're going to make it a fun ride. You know, everyone's been on who's been on a roller coaster will tell you the same. You, know, you can change that up and still have a great time with it, and that's good. I think as a project that has grown from curiosity into it's like a bit more fully fledged, wonderful. You know, I, I'm all for that, and and it shows them honestly in sort of detailing how your approach to making a game has gone. Uh, and at this scale, you know, we don't always get that, but, you know, I think it's nice to see. You know, to, I think the only real examples we get that most of the time are with these sort of college universities or sort of projects where, you know, they kind of have sure. to state that outright. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was nice because I think there was no delusions of grandeur here. It was like, you know, I... I was messing around, trying things out, seeing what worked, and I believed in what I was doing and made something that felt right. And and you can feel that. You can absolutely feel that in what's been made. Yeah, it's short, simple, effective, atmospheric. A, a real nice uh, start for this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of feels like it's getting the short end of the stick in a way because, you know, it's just one game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, our second game is kind of a bit of cheat because it's actually many games in one. Um, the creator of Safer and Fave Spookware, Adam Pipe, uh, Paper Cookies, has spearheaded an intriguing collaborative effort with a host of devs involved with the haunted PS1 community. You know, we covered last year Spectral Wall, which was an anthology of... Uh, Mm-hmm. games from them that was very intriguing and this one is called changed uh that's an acronym um i will go into the acronym if you wish uh it's chronological haunted anonymous anonymous i can't even say that word interconnected narrative guide each decision basically meaning it's a branching narrative game where each branching narrative is a different short horror game um the context of this is the Antichrist has won and the world has ended, so you have to make some choices. Uh, so you have this branching timeline where you choose to do something based on a keyword. That keyword then leads into a game you have to play, 
and then that leads into another set of choices and you have different paths throughout so you may not play certain games in one playthrough and with certain choices and so on and so on uh so the thing to note here is each developer only had the context of the games preceding theirs in the branch so games in other branches were left you know, they couldn't see them that was it uh, there was no communication between any of the developers during development so the interesting thing that happens here is each game is like a really vague game of telephone you know where you are basically saying something very ambiguous and then kind of going now you figure out what the fuck i meant you know, and <laughs> i like that um i mean a good sort of example of a chain here you know with that is you start with say choosing between tokyo and wyoming and and like that and then the end of that comes to a word that leads to the next thing and you have something like shoot or go through the door or take a train or a taxi and things like that and you know if you want to go all the way to the other end of the scale you know try and kill satan or ascend to fucking heaven you know they, whatever it, it's there's lots of different choices throughout this um and it's really fun to see how each one is interpreted because we've talked about this only recently with sort of game jam stuff and how it's really cool that one word can just make so many different interpretations come to life. Um, you know, when we did deliver and uh, train delivery despair, you know, they were two really good examples of, wow, these games are nothing alike and they're both working on the same you know, prompt. You know, here everyone's getting a different prompt that does have a slight connection, a slight sort of go on from the other thing. And that must have been really tricky to put together. I think, you know, what helps it is a community that, that works together a lot on collaboration. But still, you know, the way this has been put together and the different types of games that come out of it are genuinely impressive. Now, I didn't get to see every single game. You know, it, you know, I saw as many as I could. Yeah. I, I tried looking up a couple of the others. Um, yeah, like, even early on, the mood setters, the little things, you kind of get dropped sort of mise-en-scene, if you will, into certain uh, situations and you kind of get to figure them out as they go. And you know, the, most of them are about the size of most of the horror bites we cover. You know, they don't last very long. You have everything from, you know, home invasion style things to, you know, RPGs, you know, mini RPGs. And, yeah, it's so refreshing to just have this thing that's, Collaborative but secretive at the same time, you know. And yeah, I I really want to know kind of how you went into this once you sort of discovered this the way this was all structured. Yeah, well, I remarked to you before we were recording, right? Just when you have this sort of randomized nature, or I suppose you have this collaborative effort where the developers are not in communication with one another, right? You have the project yeah. lead. But then people that are doing different chunks of the game are not supposed to be actually like having a collaboration or even, you know, discussing their process or whatnot. So that way you have each of these little games that is supposed to be its own singular thing, but still fits into place in what this experience set out to do. And the fact that this is as well put together as it is and it stylistically fits, despite the fact that there is this almost seemingly randomized nature with which each mini game 
chooses either a graphical style, a gameplay style, a tonal style in some instances. Like the fact that this all comes together so well, despite the fact of the lack of traditional collaboration or brainstorming, right, is remarkable. I think that mm. what's really nice to see after something like the Spectral Mall, which, you know, it makes sense why each of the games in that package is its own thing that is not connected outside of the hub world of the mall, right? It's supposed yeah. to be each storefront is its own game and it's its own experience. And for something like this to be collaborative, but to still clearly be representative of each individual, each individual developers, um, you know, sensibilities or just their stylistic tendencies with which they would want to develop something mm. um, was really fantastic. And I think that, you know, there is this sort of underlying narrative that ties everything together and it has, you know, it's silly, it's goofy, but then it can also be unsettling, right? There's a variety of tones throughout this that I think is really what allows this to have the variety that it does. So, you know, you have how the game begins and then just depending on the types of decisions you make, you might find yourself doing this section where, you know, you're going through Tokyo with the samurai sword and you're kind of, You've got to master this one, two, three hit combo when you're fighting these levitating uh, mm-hmm. lamps, I think it is. Or you might find yourself in a duel with the Antichrist where it has sort of like a Killer 7 graphical style where you have to start pairing his attacks and then knocking him backwards a certain distance. And then there's a section that plays like um, uh, like a PS2 era sort of platformer flying game like uh, Legends of Dragoon or something like yeah. that where you have to kind of, you know, avoid these objects while utilizing powers to destroy certain parts of the environment that might be blocking your way. So there's this really fantastic sort of melting pot of styles and influences here. And Mm -hmm. it was very, very exciting to go into the section where like you have to make a decision after each and you're rewarded with something that could be completely different for the next experience. That was something that I think was really exciting and refreshing, I think, because once you get play enough of these collections, it's kind of like, okay, if everybody's on the same page, I feel like mm-hmm. those styles begin to clash a little bit more where something like this, when there's that air of randomness to it almost, or a purposeful lack of continuity between things, that's when that creativity can really flourish into something special like this. Um, yeah. You know, I thought overall uh, also it has a system where it's like, okay, you might find the end of one of the decision paths. So then you can go back and you can click like fast forward on a level that you've already cleared to get you to that decision checkpoint, basically, which can send you in the other direction and experience Mm -hmm. other mini games that you didn't play the first time around, uh, which I loved. So I got to experiment uh, a little bit and just kind of make the opposite decisions that I made my first playthrough, just so I could experience more of it. Um, And that was something I was appreciative of because I really was not, going to go back and replay every single one to experience, you know, as much as I could before recording. And uh, yeah, you know, overall, I just, I love the idea of something like the haunted PS1 community coming together, getting these developers and these voices and giving them sort of like a prompt almost, or just this bare bones narrative, and then allowing the developers to attack that with their own sensibilities rather than, I suppose, adhering to a sort of like protocol, if you will, with what yeah. they would want everybody to go, you know, go into their own game with. Um, so that I was definitely a fan of, and I just hope that we get to see more things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there were times where you, know, you 
if you've got the right sort of combo of things, you've just been hopping genres constantly. Uh, and that was wonderful. But, you know, I mean, one of the common threads, I suppose, is that you do get a lot of sort of first-person things because, you know, that's very traditional in a lot of ways. But even then, there's some really interesting sort of visual styles and choices. One that, like, came out to me um, along the way was uh, Back Home by uh, Neil Nauf, I think is the right pronunciation, which, you know, has this sort of, you know, it has the shining cell carpet on the outside, but the walls kind of have a similar design and the couches kind of, it's like a fucking headache the thing to look at. You know? But that's the point, you know, and I really, it stuck with me as a thing. You know, I was like kind of bewildered by how uncomfortably painful it was to sort of walk, to look at those fucking checkered Burberry style you know, couches alongside that sort of, you know, big brown and orange circle wallpaper and the floor and oh, yeah, it was yeah, a brown and orange nightmare in that regard. But wow, it, it worked so well. Was that the one where you're like repeatedly going through your house in this kind of time loop? That was the one. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like and then there's the weird doors and the weird corridors, wooden corridors and things like that. It's just it, it's a weird one, but yeah, like it's mainly, mostly stood out because of that where you like. What, what the hell is going on here sort of thing in yeah, which does happen a fair bit in this game but yeah it, just the things you come up with you know you've been doing at that point I've gone for a whole bunch of games and to suddenly still come across stuff like wow this kind of strikes me and I mean in a way it's not too dissimilar to how we did Horror Bites before you know where we'd have a whole bunch of games you know, when you're doing the lead up to that episode you'd be like playing one after the other and you are sort of just getting that uh, sort of, wow, this is nice and different to this one and et cetera, et cetera. But to have it sort of as a structured game that still kind of feels like potluck, uh, it's just, I, I, I couldn't believe how well it still works with that idea in mind. Well, that segment that you brought up, I think is a good example of how each of the developers could have have an experience that fits the overall narrative, but have a different tonal approach. Like mm. some of them are very silly, right? And there's one of them that looks like Animal Crossing, basically. Yeah. Um, but the one that you mentioned is one that was actually like very unsettling because I found most of them went for something more humorous or it was more action oriented. And in this one, it's going through this almost like time loop of your house. And every time you end up back in the living room for the starting section, the layout of things begins to change very slowly. And it's yeah. done so in a manner that is very subtle and it's very almost like unpronounced in the sense that like you just walk into a room and just things are different. There's no sort of pretense about anything. There's no big, you know, event of, oh, I'm in this other realm or whatever. It's just like ma very matter of fact in the way that uh, a nightmare would be almost like, oh, I go into yeah. my living room. I go into the first door, which is my room. But all of a sudden, oh, wait, no, this is another living room. This is not actually my bedroom, that type of thing. Which, you know, and the fact that it layers that same experience multiple times, but then it just kind of like further pushes it to getting more abstract and more surreal um, was an example, I think, of just how, again, like just because the experience that came before it maybe had something that was completely different tonally or structurally, the developers still had the freedom to make their segment the way they wanted to, playing around with the parameters of the world that are established from that opening and that was just something that I was continually impressed with. And I never felt like, oh, I made the wrong decision here or mm -hmm. there. 
uh, obviously because I could go back and try them all, but I just was constantly rewarded with new experiences and having a variety of experiences that all fit together while being vastly different from the one that preceded it. Yeah, yeah it is such a wonderful thing to sort of have that. Um, I think like one later, like shows a character that's basically fucking Morpheus in yeah. a first person <laughs> shooter. And it's just really surreal in a room full of TVs. Yeah, you could just pick anything out of your experience and go, yeah, did you play that game that was like this? I love that about it. You, know, that you could just miss entire games and someone else could play the same thing and come up with these different outcomes. Yeah, as much as the completionist and you want to play every single story, yeah, it's kind of nice to have like a very distinct playthrough where it's like, well, these are the games in my playthrough. It's, you know, the, the non-shitty AI version of like getting like, a personalized playthrough. Yeah, it, uh, that was a good way to do it, and yeah, I think more, you know, more power to having this kind of thing you know, and this kind of collaboration. Very worthwhile, and I think they do you know, wonders for you know the industry at this level you know, to have experimentation challenge that goes beyond the normal you know keyword stuff of having you know, a game jam. You know, so yeah, it's like the next logical step, I think, in a way. So, yeah, I mean, lots of fun games here. And, you know, as much of a cheat as it may be to have so many games in one, you know, um, they are all short games. So they count. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it fits perfectly. <laughs> it fits. And as they say, if it fits, we sit in there. Okay. So you know, we will be back again next week with more indie horror highlights. Uh, but in the meantime, if you are a developer of an indie horror game, demo, concept, or game jam entry, we'd love to hear from you. So drop us a DM at SaferInPod on Twitter. Twitter is the proper way of saying that. Or SaferInPod at gmail.com for email if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed on the show. Uh, or you can head to the DMs of HorrorBytes underscore SR on Twitter if you'd like to be promoted there in just general terms. Okay. Um, that is us done for this week. We will no doubt be here to show you more delights from this little arena next week. Until then, keep on searching for them. <laughs>